0: chapter fifty eight of the roots of the mountains by william morris this librivox recording is in the public domain how the maiden ward was held in burgdale now may was well worn when the host came home to burgdale and on the very morrow of men's homecoming they began to talk eagerly of the midsummer weddings and how the maiden ward would be the greatest and fairest of all yet seen whereas battle and deliverance from battle stir up the longing and love both of men and maidens much also men spake of the wedding of face of god and the sunbeam and needs must their wedding abide to the time of the maiden ward at midsummer and needs also must the sunbeam go on the ward with the other brides of the folk so then must face of god keep his soul in patience till those few days were over doing what work came to hand and he held his head high among the people and was well looked to of every man in all matters the sunbeam helped him both in doing and in forbearing and now so wonderful and rare was her beauty that folk looked on her with somewhat of fear as though she came from the very folk of the gods indeed she seemed somewhat changed from what she had been of late she was sober of demeanour during those last days of her maidenhood and sat amongst the kindred as one communing with herself. A few words she was, and little laughter, but her face clear, not overcast by any gloom, or shaken by passion. Soft and kind was she in converse with others, and sweet were the smiles that came into her face, if others' faces seemed to crave for them. For it must be said, that as some folk eat out their hearts with fear of the coming evils, even so was she feeding her soul with the joy of the days to be whatever trouble might fall upon them whereof belike she foreboded some so wore the days toward midsummer when the wheat was getting past the blossoming and the grass in the mown fields was growing deep again after the shearing of the scythe when the leaves were most and biggest when the roses were beginning to fall when the apples were reddening and the skins of the grape-berries gathering bloom High aloft floated the light clouds over the dale deep blue showed the distant fells below the ice-mountains the waters dwindled all things sought the shadow by daytime and the twilight of even and the twilight of dawn were but sundered by three hours of half-dark night so in the bright forenoon were seventeen brides assembled in the gate of burgstead but of the rest of the dale were twenty and three looked for and with these was the sunbeam her face as calm as the mountain lake under a summer sunset while of the others many were restless and babbling like april throstles and not a few talked to her eagerly and in their restless love of her dragged her about hither and thither no men were to be seen that morning for such was the custom that the carles either departed to the fields and the acres or abode within doors on the morn of the day of the maiden ward but there was a throng of women about the gate and down the street of burgstead and it may well be deemed that they kept not silence that hour so fared the brides of burgstead to the place of the maiden ward on the causeway whereto were come already the other brides from steads up and down the dale or were even then close at hand on the way and among them were longcote and her two fellows with whom face of god had held converse on that morning whereon he had followed his fate to the mountain there then were they gathered under the cliff wall of the portway and by the roadside had their grooms built them up bowers of green boughs to shelter them from the sun's burning which were thatched with bulrushes and decked with garlands of the fairest flowers of the meadows and the gardens forsooth they were a lovely sight to look on for no fairer women might be seen in the world and the eldest of them was scant of five-and-twenty winters every maiden was clad in as goodly raiment as she might compass their sleeves and gown hems and girdles yea their very shoes and sandals were embroidered so fairly and closely that as they shifted in the sun they changed colour like the kingfisher shooting from shadow to sunshine according to due custom every maiden bore some weapon a few had bows in their hands and quivers at their backs some had nought but a sword girt to their sides some bore slender shafted spears so as not to overburden their shapely hands but to some it seemed a merry game to carry long and heavy thrust spears or to bear great war axes over their shoulders most had their flowing hair coiffed with bright helms some had burdened their arms with shields some bore steel hauberks over their linen smocks. Almost all had some piece of war gear on their bodies, and one, to wit, Steylinde of the Sickle, a tall and fair damsel, was so arrayed that no garments could be seen on her but bright steel war gear. As for the Sunbeam, she was clad in a white kirtle embroidered from throat to hem with work of green boughs and flowers of the goodliest fashion, and a garland of roses on her head. Dale warden himself was girt to her side by a girdle fair wrought of golden wire and she bore no other weapon or war-gear and she let him lie quiet in his scabbard nor touch the hilts once whereas some of the other damsels would be ever drawing their swords out and thrusting them back but all noted that goodly weapon the yoke-fellow of so many great deeds there then on the portway between the water and the rock-wall rose up plenteous and gleeful talk of clear voices shrill and soft and whiles the maidens sang and whiles they told tales of old days and whiles they joined hands and danced together on the sweet summer dust of the highway then they mostly grew aweary and sat down on the banks of the road or under the leafy bowers noon came and therewithal good wives of the neighbouring dale who brought them meat and drink and fruit and fresh flowers from the teeming gardens and thereafter for a while they nursed their joy in their bosoms and spake but little and softly when the day was at its hottest in the early afternoon then came out of burgstead men making semblance of chapmen with a wain bearing wares and they made as though they were wending down the portway westward to go out of the dale then arose the weaponed maidens and barred the way to them and turned them back amidst fresh springing merriment again in a while when the sun was westering and the shadows growing long came herdsmen from down the dale driving neat and making as though they would pass by into burgstead but to them also did the maidens gainsay the road so that needs must they turn back amidst laughter and mockery they themselves also laughing and mocking and so at last when the maidens had been all alone a while and it was now hard on sunset they drew together and stood in a ring and fell to singing and one goldmay of the house of the bridge a most sweet singer stood amidst their ring and led them and this is somewhat of the meaning of their words the sun will not tarry now changeth the light fail the colours that marry the day to the night amid the sun's burning bright weapons we bore for this eve of our earning comes once and no more for to-day hath no brother in yesterday's tide and to-morrow no other alike it doth hide this day is the token of oath and behest that ne'er shall be broken through ill days and best here the troth hath been given the oath hath been done to the folk that have thriven well under the sun and the gifts of its giving our troth day shall win are the dale for our living and dear days therein o sun now thou wanest, yet come back and see amidst all that thou gainest how gainful are we o witness of sorrow wide over the earth rise up on the morrow to look on our mirth thy blooms art thou bringing back ever for men and thy birds are a-singing each summer again but to men little-hearted what winter is worse than thy summers departed that bore them the curse and e'en such art thou knowing where thriveth the year and good is all growing save thraldom and fear nought such be our lovers hearts drawing anigh while yet thy light hovers aloft in the sky lo the seeker the finder of death in the blade what lips shall be kinder on lips of mine laid lo he that hath driven back tribes of the south sweet breathed is thine even but sweeter his mouth come back from the sea then o son. come aback look adown look on me then and ask what i lack come many a morrow to gaze on the dale and if e'er thou seest sorrow remember its tale for twill be of a story to tell how men died in the garnering of glory that no man may hide o sun sinking under o fragrance of earth o heart o the wonder whence longing hath birth so they sang and the sun sank indeed and amidst their singing the eve was still about them though there came a happy murmur from the face of the meadows and the houses of the thorp aloof but as their song fell they heard the sound of footsteps of many on the road so they turned and stood with beating hearts in such order as when a band of the valiant draw together to meet many foes coming on them from all sides and they stand back to back to face all comers and even therewith their raiment gleaming amidst the gathering dusk came on them the young men of the dale newly delivered from the grief of war then in very deed the fierce mouths of the razors of the war shout were kind on the faces of tender maidens then went spear and axe and helm and shield clattering to the earth as the arms of the newcomers went round about the bodies of the brides weary with the long day of sunshine and glee and loving speech and the maidens suffered the young men to lead them whither they would and twilight began to draw round about them as the maiden band was sundered some they were led away westward down the portway to the homesteads thereabout and for divers of these the way was long to their halls and they would have to wend over long stretches of dewy meadows and hear the night wind whisper in many a tree and see the east begin to lighten with the dawn before they came to the lighted feast that awaited them but some turned up the portway straight towards burgstead and short was their road to the halls where even now the lights were being kindled for their greeting as for the sunbeam she had been very quiet the day long speaking as little as she might do laughing not at all and smiling for kindness's sake rather than for merriment and when the grooms came seeking their maidens she withdrew herself from the band and stood alone amidst the road nigher to burgstead than they and her heart beat hard and her breath came short and quick as though fear had caught her in its grip and indeed for one moment of time she feared that he was not coming to her for he had gone with the other grooms to that gathered band and had passed from one to the other not finding her till he had got him through the whole company and beheld her awaiting him then indeed he bounded toward her and caught her by the hands and then by the shoulders and drew her to him and she nothing loath and in that while he said to her come then my friend lo thou they go each their own way toward the halls of their houses and for thee have i chosen a way a way over the footbridge yonder and over the dewy meadows on this best even of the year nay nay she said it may not be surely the burgstead grooms look to thee to lead them to the gate and surely in the house of the face they look to see thee before any other nay gold my dear we must needs go by the portway he said we shall be home but a very little while after the first for the way i tell of is as short as the portway but hearken my sweet when we are in the meadows we shall sit down for a minute on a bank under the chestnut trees and thence watch the moon coming up over the southern cliffs and i shall behold thee in the summer night and deem that i see all thy beauty which yet shall make me dumb with wonder when i see it indeed in the house amongst the candles oh nay she said by the port where shall we go the torch-bearers shall be abiding thee at the gate spake face of god then shall we rise up and wend first through a wide treeless meadow wherein amidst the night we shall behold the kine moving about like odorous shadows and through the greyness of the moonlight thou shalt deem that thou seest the pink colour of the eglantine blossoms so fragrant they are Oh, nay she said but it is meet that we go by the portway but he said then from the wide meadow come we into a close of corn and then into an orchard close beyond it there in the ancient walnut-tree the owl sitteth breathing hard in the night-time but thou shalt not hear him for the joy of the nightingale singing from the apple-trees of the close then from out of the shadowed orchard shall we come into the open town meadow and over its daisies shall the moonlight be lying in a grey flood of brightness short is the way across it to the brim of the weltering water and across the water lieth the fair garden of the face and i have dight for thee there a little boat to waft us across the night-dark waters shall be like wavering flames of white fire where the moon smites them and like the void of all things where the shadows hang over them there then shall we be in the garden beholding how the hall windows are yellow and hearkening the sound of the hall glee borne across the flowers and blending with the voice of the nightingales in the trees there then shall we go along the grass paths whereby the pinks and the cloves and the lavender ascending forth their fragrance to cheer us who faint at the scent of the overworn roses and the honey sweetness of the lilies all this is for thee and for naught but for thee this even and many a blossom whereof thou knowest naught shall grieve if thy foot tread not thereby to-night if the path of thy wedding which i have made be void of thee on the even of the chamber of love but lo at last at the garden's end is the yew-walk arched over for thee and thou canst not see whereby to enter it but i i know it and i lead thee into and along the dark tunnel through the moonlight and thine hand is not weary of mine as we go but at the end shall we come to a wicket which shall bring us out by the gable-end of the hall of the face turn we about its corner then and there are we blinking on the torches of the torch-bearers and the candles through the open door, and the hall ablaze with light and full of joyous clamour, like the bale-fire in the night, kindled on a nest above the sea by fisher-folk remembering the gods. Oh, nay, she said, but by the portway must we go, the straightest way to the gate of Burgstead. In vain she spake, and knew not what she said, for even as he was speaking, he led her away, and her feet went as her will went rather than her words and even as she said that last word she set her foot on the first board of the footbridge and she turned aback one moment and saw the long line of the rock wall yet glowing with the last of the sunset of midsummer while as she turned again lo before her the moon was just beginning to lift himself above the edge of the southern cliffs and betwixt her and him all burgdale and face of god moreover thus then they crossed the bridge into the green meadows and through the closes and into the garden of the face and on to the hall door and other brides and grooms were there before them for six grooms had brought home brides to the house of the face but none deemed it amiss in the war leader of the folk and the love that had led him and old Stoneface said too many are the rows of base-keps in the gardens of the dale that we should begrudge wayward lovers an hour's waste of candle-light, so at last those twain went up the sunbright hall hand in hand in all their loveliness and up on to the dais and stood together by the middle seat, and the tumult of the joy of the kindred was hushed for a while as they saw that there was speech in the mouth of the war-leader then he spread his hands abroad before them all and cried out how then have i kept mine oath whereas i swore on the holy boar to wed the fairest woman of the world a mighty shout went rattling about the timbers of the roof in answer to his word and they that looked up to the gable of the hall said that they saw the ray-ringed image of the god smile with joy over the gathered folk but spake ironface unheard amidst the clamour of the hall how fares it now with my darling and my daughter who dwelleth among strangers in the land beyond the wild wood chapter fifty eight